Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is almost game day, and man, it feels like the most pivotal East Carolina football game, especially in conference play in quite some time. I'm your host, Stephen Igo. I'm joined by Nova Pirates. He is also known as Sean here on the Hoist the Colors podcast. He's been on several podcasts in the past, and, and Sean... Man, this is a big game Friday night. The Pirates uh, are heading to Cincinnati with a lot on the line, and it it honestly just feels good to be talking about a game with, with such high stakes. Yeah, it does. I think the last time you and I met, Stephen, we were lamenting what the rest of the season might look like after the Tulane loss, and um, I wasn't feeling very optimistic about what the rest of the season would look like, but they really, as a team and as a coaching staff, really made – an extraordinary turnaround. And, and if you look at these last few games, these last, this three game winning streak, and I think they bring this in to, to Cincinnati. And I think the first thing that stands out for me in this win streak, and again, what, what we have going for us uh, on Friday night is first and foremost to me is Holton is just making good decisions. Uh, he is making the best decisions that I have seen in his career at East Carolina. And I would love to know what happened. What, what did they put in his Gatorade because they needed to put it in, you know, a couple of years before it's really been an extraordinary turnaround. And not only is he making fewer mistakes, but he's seeing the field in a way that I've not seen him make before. And it, it's almost after that, that Memphis overtime when you just wonder if that's the moment where the team begins to click. And when you and I had the first, very first podcast, when we were looking at the beginning of the season and what the season might, uh, might hold for fans. One of the things I had hoped for was that this was the year that the pirates somehow learned to win and winning is, I think the most difficult of all aspects in team sports. And I mean, that's a a no brainer, but I think you can have great athletes and not win. 
And my hope was is that this would be the year that somehow Houston would be able to inject that secret sauce of winning. And sometimes I think when you have a, a moment like ECU did against Memphis, where your back is against the wall and you really are uh, in a moment where you're, you are, you know, saying, this is what I am as a team. This is, this is what we are. These are the people I can rely on. And after that win, it's like, you know, something magical happened and, and they really, I think they're believing in themselves. And, and the other piece of this that I'm seeing that I think is working is our run game is really hitting its stride. And I have to give Donnie Kirkpatrick a lot of credit here. I've been very critical of him, but he has uh, really brought the tight end into the game in a way that I think we have not been using. He's bringing the H back into motion and, you know, football, Stephen is a numbers game. And when you have uh, offensive line and a tight end lined up, you now have prevent, you now have presented seven different uh, gaps that the defense has to defend. And you have six in the box and that means a safety is going to have to make a decision somewhere along the way. And what we've done a really good job of is bringing that safety in motion, put, I'm sorry, putting that tight end into motion, putting, setting him as an H-back. And then I think what Keenan Mitchell is really good at is the vision. So Keenan's been getting the handoff. Looks like he has the option of, of a inside zone, but he's been breaking it to the outside. And, you know, that's working. So play calling, the run game, and I think Holton's uh, decision-making have been all the differences, at, at least from where I'm sitting and watching. Yeah, I mean, you look at the numbers at the end of the day, when Holton Aylers does not throw an interception this year, ECU is 6-0. and When he has thrown an interception, ECU is 0-3. And, and certainly, Sean, there's more that goes into these games than, than just him throwing an interception or not because – you know, obviously, he, he would just run the ball 80 times and try to get out there with a the win if it was that simple. But, you know, I guess it really does kind of come down to, especially in these tight games like BYU and like Memphis and like NC State and Navy, you know, you, you find a way to stay in the game and then you have to make the play at the end to win it. And I think this Friday's game has a very good chance to be that type of situation again. And I think if, if you're ECU – the chances of going up there and, and blowing out Cincinnati or beating them by a couple touchdowns is pretty slim. I mean, they've won 31 games in a row at home. Uh, they're not as good as last year. We can get into that, but they're still a really good football team. They expect to win every time out. They're at home. But more than likely, Sean, this is going to be a game you're going to have to win in the fourth quarter. And I, I do feel like the fact they've had that success, they've got to be in a good spot mentally. Um, whereas in the past when they've gone to Cincinnati or when they've played Cincinnati in general, I just feel like they haven't maybe had that same mentality. And I think that could play a big role this Friday. Just your thoughts on that. And, and, you know, do we probably expect a close game on, on Friday between these two teams? Yeah. So I did not realize those stats on the interceptions. Um, that's startling to hear. Um, and what a dichotomy. Uh, so I hope he doesn't throw an interception at Cincy. I think that's the, that's the first thing I'm going to look for, Stephen, is no interceptions now. Um, Cincy's going to be a tough game. and But what I like about what we're doing right now is that we are playing with confidence. And 
I think we're finally seeing a team that's living up to its billing. Um, we have uh, on the outside in Winstead and Johnson, I think uh, one of the best wide receiver combos right now uh, in the league. And then you add Keaton. And um, so there's, we have a lot of momentum going into the game. And, and the other piece that's different now is that we have a kicker. Right. And, and we have someone that when the guys get down in a close game, they now can have some confidence that if the game does come down to a field goal, that that their efforts are not going to be in vain. So I, I really like where we are right now. And and as you said, this is not the Cincy team from last year. Uh, they do play exceptionally well at home. But I think given the nature of what's clicking on the offensive side of the ball right now um, with the good decisions that Holton is making, I really think that this is a winnable game. And I, I really don't see this as, a, as insurmountable at all. Yeah, and it feels like in the, in the past when ECU has played Cincinnati, it was almost like you just – man, you hope they find a way to keep it close. Whereas this year it's like, man – We've got a legit shot to win the game. Got a legit shot to make a statement. You're coming off a bye week. And before we dive into some of the matchups, I want to ask Sean, we, we saw how much maybe better prepared Navy was for ECU and how much better they played against ECU because they were coming off a bye early this year. They had the extra time to prepare. Now ECU gets the extra time to prepare, finally. It seems like this rarely happens, but the Pirates get a bye week before a pivotal game. Cincinnati coming off a short week. They played Navy. I mean, how much of a, an advantage realistically does this give East Carolina? I think given that since he is coming off, the Navy game is uh, is not inconsequential. Navy is such a physical team. They beat you up. Um, and they, um, although the game score wasn't particularly close, uh, since he took a beating in that game. And um, I, I think coming in right now with the rest that we've had and the, the shortened time to recover that since he has had, I think, I think this lines up really well for us. So I, I don't, if we lose this game, I, I certainly don't think that we can use the excuse that we weren't rested or that somehow since he was in a better position physically than we were um, I, I, I think this is all really favorable for us. I, I really do. Yeah. Now I think the only thing that kind of negates is the fact that ECU is going on the road to where Cincinnati has played so well and, and they make a big deal about, you know, nip at night, nipper stadium at night and kind of the atmosphere there. It looks like it'll be, looks like it might be uh temperature into the, to the thirties, uh, Sean, with some wind, maybe some rain early in the day. So I, I don't know if that favors either team, but certainly, you know, could play a factor. Um, I feel like it, it, you know, ECU's to the point now as a football team. And I, I don't know if I've ever said this before, maybe under Skip Holtz, but like the weather to me is not a huge deal. If this was rough McNeil and this was Lincoln Riley, I feel like they would not be walking into a good situation weather-wise. But I think the way they played at BYU and kind of their style of play, like the weather to me is – it's a factor, but it's not a deciding factor. Do you agree with that? Yeah, totally. And I think especially because we now have a running game that I think fits our temperament as a team and it fits our skill set, 
I I really think that we can establish the run against this Cincy team. And I don't think the weather is going to matter one bit. I, I think if we were passing the ball 70% of the time, it would be an issue, but we've been, we've been pretty balanced. So no, I don't think the weather, I don't think the weather is going to play a, a hand in this game at all. All right, let's dive into some of these matchups. And I know you've watched some Cincinnati. I've watched them as, as well, uh, dove, dove into the numbers. And uh, we'll start first when ECU's offense is on the field. And Cincinnati has seven guys from last year's defense now playing in the NFL. So they certainly lost some personnel. Uh, they do got some guys back. You know, they're really stout up the middle, two really good defensive tackles, two of the highest graded players per pro football focus in college football. Really good linebacker, Ivan Pace, who wears number zero. He's got 96 tackles. Um, but what what have you seen from the Cincinnati defense on, on, on tape? Is there any weakness? Yeah, so this looks like a typical uh, Cincy team under uh, Luke's uh, tutelage. I mean, uh, he's got big players. They're fast. Uh, that offensive line is, is stout. They've got a fast running back and – uh, big receivers and a, a pretty accurate quarterback. Now, having said all of that, let me also add when you when I looked at three of their games, what you see also is a pretty typical uh, Cincy offense, particularly in the last four years or so. They spread the field really well. I think they spread the field better than any team that we've played so far. And and there really seems to be one of the things that's always impressed me about Cincy has been their uh, their strategy in splitting the field or making the field wide. There really seems to be some type of strategy uh, in terms of when they go wide uh, and then when they narrow the field. So you'll see two passes in a row that will work on the edges of the field, and then they'll kind of lull you into a false sense of security, and then they'll go deep. So they're constantly working on making the defense feel uncomfortable. And then very much like us, they employ a tight end. In fact, if you, as I looked at this team, if there's a prototype for where Mike Houston has sort of garnered what he wants East Carolina to look like, it looks an awful lot lot like what Cincy looks like. Uh, big tight ends, they put their tight end into motion. They run behind that tight end. It's a numbers game for them. So there are a lot of similarities between their offense and our offense. So so the first thing uh, I see in terms of their offense, again, is spreading the ball. Great athletes across the board. But I also see some problematic issues for them. This is not the same defense as last year. It's not. They don't have the same corners as last year. Their ranks, they're the 64th best uh, rush defense in uh, in college football. We're around the 53rd rushing offense. But if you look at Keenan Mitchell, he is averaging over seven yards a carry. And I believe he's second right now in the NCAA. And looking at the UCF game in particular, where since he really seemed to struggle was where we've been doing really good lately on the edges. They seem to commit so much to the middle of the field that uh, they had a hard time. Their ends in, in the games that I viewed had a really hard time sealing the edges. And that made it uh, really easy for the speed guys on UCF and even SMU to get around to the edge. So I think this is a Cincy team that is 
susceptible on the edge. Um, and with Keenan's speed, I could really see this being a problem for them on Friday. Like I was saying earlier, one of the reasons why teams are now employing a tight end or bringing the tight end into motion or putting them on the line is that, you know, football's a numbers game. And when you bring that tight end, what you really are now doing is you are creating seven different holes or seven uh, different gaps that the defense has to defend. So, that means that even if you have six in the box, Stephen, uh, they're going to have to bring a safety down or a free safety to cover that seventh option for a run. And what Keaton has done really well because of his vision is if there's nothing inside, he's got the speed to go out. And it just so happens that's where Cincy seems to be susceptible. I'll say the other place where um, they look susceptible, at least on uh, on their defense, is they have really aggressive uh, D-backs. And I think that aggressiveness could play right into the hands of Holton, who has been doing a great job of throwing to a mark. I think one of the great decisions that Holton has made the last couple of games is he's not waiting. He's not waited for receivers to get open. Um, he has tossed the ball up and like the best QBs in this uh, in this league, um, he's let the receivers make play. So I think both on the edge and some of the over aggressiveness on the DB side, I think there's some real opportunities here, Stephen. Yeah, last year when you played Cincinnati, you, you pretty much knew you were going to get man coverage. They had two NFL corners. They got one guy who's going to be the, the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL right now, Ahmad Gardner. Uh, those guys are no longer there. Now, they're still solid at corner, but if you're ECU, you have to like the fact that you're going to get some good matchups. Uh, Isaiah Winstead on the outside, Josiah Hatfield on the outside. I'll be interested to see what they do with CJ. Cincinnati's highest-graded corner has actually been the nickel guy this year, and so that could be a good matchup. Uh, but again, you're not facing Sau- Sauce Gardner. You're not facing Kobe Bryant, so there should be some plays to be had there. Um, and in turn, they can't commit as much to the running game as they have in the past. You know, they're going to have to make a decision. Hey, do they, do they, obviously they're going to try and stop the run, but how much do they really want to commit to the running game with the way Ehlers is playing right now? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see kind of that chess match early in the game. The other factor is uh, while they're – and I have noticed that too. If teams get time, Sean, their corners are susceptible. The problem is they're just so good at getting after the passer – um, they're two D tackles and their, their linebacker, Ivan Pace. He's got eight sacks. They got as a team, uh, 32 sacks, 76 tackles for loss, um, which over nine games is, is pretty insane. So, uh, just how much of a concern is holding up up front? And, and do you have to, you know, what's that balance of, Hey, do we keep a tight end in to, to chip or to block versus, you know, trying to go three or four wide uh, against this defense. Yeah, so, and I'll add one other number to that uh, since the defense, and I, I don't want to make them out to be juggernauts, but they, they have really gotten out of the pass after the, the the passer. They're fifth in the NCAA right now in the amount of sacks that they are accumulating, uh, almost four sacks a game. Interesting, though, uh, ECU is only giving up about 1.3 sacks 
uh, a game this year, which puts us at, I believe, around 20 or 25th in terms of the sacks that we're allowing. So that should actually be a pretty good matchup. Our offensive line has really been coming on right now. And if you, I think if you take foot and Struthers um, and Henderson and Red, um, those are some of the best uh, performers right now in these last three weeks. So that should be a really good matchup. And I, I don't think we're going to get manhandled up front. Here's what I think I have seen Holton do really well at times. And we've won during these times when he's gotten the ball out quickly. So he's going to have to get the ball out quickly and not overthink like he has or is prone to do. And when he gets the ball out within two, two and a half seconds, he is really difficult to stop. And you saw him do that against UCF. And the way that Donnie has created this route tree is that he really has given Holton some nice targets, but also a balance on the field. It looks like now we're running both a short pattern and long patterns, which is giving Holton some options. And we're also doing a much better job of bringing out the running back for um, for a hot read. So I, I do think that this is problematic for Cincy. I, I, I think Cincy is, uh, I, I think if they're really looking at what ECU offense is capable of doing, it's got to cause some headaches for them because when you have a balanced team like we do right now and the weapons that we do, um, I, I think we're going to surprise people and handle Cincy's defense better than a lot of people think that we can. Yeah, and you, you know, you look at their schedule this year, and certainly really solid defense. Uh, they, they held SMU down, they held Arkansas down to an extent, but still, you know, they haven't played the toughest schedule. They gave up 27 to SMU, 31 to Arkansas, 24 to Indiana, uh, 25 to UCF. So I think if you're ECU, and we can get more into this later when we make our prediction. But I think if you can get into the mid to upper 20s uh, on the road, I think you feel decent about winning this game. If you crack the 30-point barometer, I think you feel really good um, on this defense. So, we'll, you know, I think they're giving up around 20 a game. The big number that stuck out to me, they're giving up 41% conversion rate on third down, which is pretty high for a defense that is, you know, con you consider to be one of the best in college football. So, Third down going to be crucial in this game, Sean. Um, but let's flip to the – unless you got something to add, we'll flip to the other side of the, the football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Uh, when, when their offense is on the field, you know, last year, 
Ritter, he created so many opportunities with his feet, and it's not that Ben Bryant, their their new quarterback, uh, who's been there a while, of course, college football these days, transfers to Eastern Michigan, starts there, transfers back to Cincinnati. So he knows the system. He takes over for Ritter. Uh, but more of a pocket passer, talented guy, but no no real major threat to run the ball. He's athletic to extend plays, but nothing like Ritter. So, you know, you've kind of had that chess match if you're Blake Carroll the last few years of, hey, do we want to blitz Ritter? If you lose contain, you're going to get burned. Whereas this time, I think if you want to come after Ben Bryant, I think you can commit to it because you know that he's more than likely not going to escape the pocket. So uh, how much are you looking forward to just seeing maybe how Blake Carroll decides to try and attack this this uh, Cincinnati offense? Yeah, because on paper, Stephen, they are susceptible to the blitz. Uh, they're 87th. Uh, in the league, in the NCA, in terms of sacks allowed. So um, this is an offensive line that has struggled this year with a pass rush. And our pass rush has actually been um, pretty good the last three or four games. I think we are 44th uh, in the NCA in sacks. So there should be some real matchups for us to put pressure on Bryant. And also, if you look at the tape, He's not uh, as as mobile as Ritter was. And so I definitely think that there are uh, ample chances to put pressure on him. And if you also look at their 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 run uh, offense or the rush as a rushing team, 91st in the NCAA, um, this is not a team that is rushing the ball very well right now. Um, so. The things that we've been really good at, especially on defense, stopping the run, um, uh, beginning to acquire more sacks, I think we match up really well there. Where I'm really concerned, though, is that uh, we're they're 31st in the NCAA in passing, and do you know what we are in pass? defense Steven not, not good uh I think 107 <laughs> right 107 yeah. 107 so that's my biggest concern here is um if Bryant really gets into a groove we could be in trouble um we have really struggled at the corner position we do not have a shutdown corner um, and we've also struggled in, in coverage as well we have uh, really aggressive safeties they're great at the run but often you don't get both and so if i am concerned and, and i am concerned uh with this and, and that's their ability to pick us apart in the in the secondary yeah it, it was interesting because i remember going into the byu game i was worried about the same thing and ecu <laughs> almost flipped this game plan and and they did you know, they did commit to stopping the run, but definitely played it more safe on the back end and, and made Jaron Hall maybe take some more underneath throws and then gave up some plays on the ground. And do they take that same approach again? Because, like, you look at the numbers for the BYU game and, you know, they're, it wasn't great. They weren't great on third down. ECU wasn't great on third down as far as getting off the field. BYU controlled the clock. But at the end of the day, you got big stops. You only gave up 24 points. But – I just felt like it wasn't really ECU style defensively. So they do they go back to more attacking downhill and maybe expose yourself to more big plays? That you know that's kind of the risk you have to. De- I feel like you have to decide because this defense isn't good enough personnel wise to just hey rush four, sit back and you know stop the run that way. 
Yeah, and I think if you've looked at what Coach Houston has done in his tenure here, they really have been committed to stopping the run. And I think that the entire defensive scheme, if I had to guess, is going to be predicated on that again. I mean, I'm sure they're going to work at dropping more people back in coverage at the appropriate times. But um, if I had to guess, I think what they're going to opt for is to take advantage of a Cincy offensive line that has struggled some this year and uh, use our our blitzing ability and our blitz packages. The one thing that I saw on the film with Cincy and where they struggled with several of the teams was when the offensive line had a very difficult time picking up stunts where the defensive linemen would switch in positions and the offensive line for Cincy really had a hard time, I think, understanding what their coverage in those situations are. And so one of the things I think that Blake Carroll has done really well with this defense is work on the movement on this line. And I think we do a really good job with this front four of three and getting them to move. And I think this has been especially true these last three games where there's been even more stunts that Blake has called and that's paid off for us. So if I had to guess, uh, my guess is they're going to go after the QB um, stop the run and just hold their breath in the secondary. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, and I feel like that's <laughs> kind of what ECU has become under Blake Carroll. And maybe they try and mix it up. But like at the end of the day, you're playing on the road, you're an underdog. Really, what do you have to lose? Why not go after him? So Agreed. we'll see what happens. All right. Let's talk special teams. We'll get into our predictions and maybe sure. players we, we want to play well. Um, so Cincinnati, really good in the kicking game. Ryan Coe, 13 of 17 on field goals this year. That's 77%. He did struggle a little bit early in the year, Sean, but he's made nine of his last 10 field goals. He's got a long of 50, uh, let's see here, 52. Uh, He has had one block, but he's made all 36 extra points. And their punter, Mason Fletcher, averaging 47 and a half yards per punt. He's got a long of 84. Um which I don't know if ECU could hit that on two consecutive punts. Uh, but uh, uh, either way, I think I think there's an advantage here from Cincinnati in the kicking game. I will say, though, ECU kick coverage-wise and punt coverage and punt return kick coverage has, has quietly been really good this year, and maybe this is the game, you know, not that you have to score a touchdown there, but just win that phase to maybe make up for, uh, you know, what could be a, a loss in the kicking game. Yeah, that's the thing that really makes me nervous, Stephen, is their kicking game, and it's a good kicking game. And if this comes down to a game of field goals, um, I don't feel really good about that. They um, they have the ability to, to kick uh, from a fairly long distance, and, and he's a good kicker. I've watched a couple of, uh, of his kicks uh, in the film, and um, I just I hope it doesn't come down to uh, – to kicking every quarter because if it does i, I don't know if we're gonna that's not our strength um, yeah yeah it could be a situation too where maybe cincinnati takes the points on fourth and medium when they get inside the 30 whereas ecu might have to go for it um and it could be very well that scenario and those could be the plays that they kind of decide the game but obviously special teams always play a big role um before we get into our predictions sean Let's let's make some picks to click guys that we really think have to perform well. We'll start offensively. I'll let you go first. Uh, 
you know, who, who do you who you feel like has to have a good game for ECU or will have a good game on Friday night? So I'm going to start with the offensive line. Uh, I think the line has to be able to hold their own against that front three or front four, whatever they're rushing. So I'm going to be watching to see how they're holding their blocks and are they able to give Holton enough time to get the ball out? Um, the second person I'm watching is for Keenan Mitchell um, and his ability to hold up and, uh, and be sturdy in this game. And he has really surprised me in his ability to be, he's uh, um, not an every down back, but he has shown um, uh, the ability to, to take a lot of wear and tear. So I'm going to be, I think he's key in terms of getting on the edge. And then uh, I'm going to say Holton, obviously, and his ability to continue to see the field and make good decisions. And um, one person that I really would love to see have a big game is Josiah Hatfield. I would love for them to figure out a way for him to utilize the speed, the God-given speed that he has. Um, I don't think he's had a breakout game yet, but I would love to see that wrinkle thrown in. And I think it would be a surprise wrinkle against Cincy. So those are, that's what I'm looking for on offense. He did score uh, one of the touchdowns for ECU. The only touchdown against Cincinnati last year, I believe he beat Kobe Bryant for a late touchdown in that game. So hopefully maybe he can take some, uh, some confidence from that. Yeah, for me, you know, Holton's the obvious one for for the reasons we've talked about throughout the podcast. But I, I specifically will be watching Avery Jones at center because of, you know, Cincinnati mostly a three down front. They will mix it up and go four down, but they usually line up that nose guard right across from the center. And I don't even think it's going to be a case where Avery has to have a great game. He's just got to survive. He's got to he's got to survive, find a way to keep the, those guys from dominating the game. If he does that, I think the offense has a chance to to move the football and score points. Um, defensively, Sean, you know, I always struggle with this because there's – I mean, ECU plays like 23 guys defensively on a consistent basis. So, like, it's hard to single out one individual – but uh, is there a position group or somebody you really watching on 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 Friday? To me, it's the secondary. It's the secondary and the, and the safeties and their ability to complement each other. I I think we've really struggled to play complementary football back in that uh, back in the secondary. If um, if if the DB makes a good play, the safety's out of position. If the safety makes a good play the DB is usually out of position so this is a game where I'm watching to make sure that they're all on the same page with their coverages whether it's a cover two or cover two man or cover three whatever they're going to be in I really am watching for them to be able to complement each other and, and, to, and to get on the same page I mean I think that's been a big part of this is and I don't know it almost seems to me Stephen that they're still struggling with where they're where they place themselves in space and it's a tough position anyway but it looks like they have been really hesitant in understanding who has who particularly in zone coverage and Bryant really has the ability to throw the ball long and with accuracy and if you look on the tape when he starts winding up and starts making those middle of the field throws if our safeties are not in the right position, it could be a really long game. So that's what I'm looking for is the, a, a complete game between the, the secondary. 
I'm going to piggyback off that. I'm going to go with Julius Wood, Ohio native from Columbus, Ohio. Didn't have his best game against BYU. I think this game will be important to him. He told me he's going to have about 50 family members at the game. Um, I'm going to say he gets a pick and uh, his third of the season then, you know, helps the uh, the Pirates get a turnover. Speaking of that, before we make our prediction, Donnie Kirkpatrick made a good point. Cincinnati has scored four non-offensive touchdowns this year, two pick sixes, two fumble recoveries for scores. Um, Got to avoid that. The last three meetings, Sean, Cincinnati has scored on a pick six twice and also on a uh, special team score, block block field goal they returned last year. So three non-offensive touchdowns over the last three meetings. That can't happen again. Um, all right, let's, let's make our predictions. And I, I don't know if – I'll let you go first because I, I know where I'm going. So, you, you, so I'll let you okay. go take it. I'm going to go in a tight one, ECU 38, Cincy 35. That would be that would be something else, man. <laughs> that Houston game would be uh would be incredible to follow. All right, so here's the deal. I really I really have a good feeling about this game. I like how ECU matches up with this Cincinnati team. But I picked against ECU the last two games and it's worked. And so I'm going to pick against ECU again. I'm going to go Cincinnati wins the football game 31-28. And the Pirates come home six and four, but hey, I'm hoping the reverse juju works. Uh, they continue to prove me wrong. I'm hoping that happens again. But either way, I think it's going to be a fun game Friday. It's I'm just glad we're here discussing what is an important game. Pirate football is back. Win or lose, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Agree. And when was the last time we got this excited for such a late game? Um, it, it's been a ball. So and and a blast. So um, a, a, agree. Win or lose, I think we're in a great position here. All right, Sean. Appreciate the time, man. And I know you'll you'll usually post some keys to watch for uh, heading into the game. So uh, uh, you may do that. But either way, man, we appreciate the the time on the Hoisted Colors podcast. I always appreciate your insight. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Always, always appreciate you having me. That is Sean Nova Pirate on the Hoist of Colors message board, and that'll do it for the Hoist the Colors podcast. 8 p.m. Friday, we'll have the coverage for you on HTC. Until then, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you after the game. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.